Good morning. Happy New Year. I said Happy New Year. Come on, I know a couple hours ago or a day ago, 36 hours ago, you were a little bit more excited about the new year, right? You're already looking for 2023 now, the way you're sounding. But I really believe that the Lord has amazing things in store for us this morning and this year. And uh, what a privilege it is to be uh, in the house of the Lord today. And I uh, get to have my family with me and uh, to preach really for the first time after becoming a grandfather. Uh, so <clears throat> that, means, that means the dad jokes have an upgrade, which is really amazing. If you don't laugh at those, you don't want to, you know, being in trouble with dad is one thing, being in trouble with grandpa is completely different. Uh, and um, so you're going to laugh. If you don't laugh, um, going to be not good for you. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, what an amazing opportunity we have. How many believe that this is a year of opportunity? Come on, it's a year of opportunity, not opposition. Some of you right now, I feel like you came into this year already fixing to fight. That's Southern for you were looking for a fight. Right? Because for the last two years, if we're honest, right, we've been geared up to fight. We've been in the fight, and we're also geared up to fight. Am I? Am I? And so sometimes you exit one thing and try to enter the next thing with the same mindset, but our thinking has to change because there's a higher altitude. There, there's a greater grace coming upon us in this season that there are things that you actually fought in your wilderness that can't invade your promised land. Are you hearing me? What, what we fight in the spirit can't invade uh, uh, the next generation. And so there's some things right now that you need to leave back in 2021 because it's the dawning of a new day. During worship t- today, the Lord just spoke these words to me. I'm taking my people from lamentation to celebration. The Lord wants to take you from lamentation to celebration. From a place of grieving and mourning and a place of uncertainty into a place of celebrating because the Lord, he's good. Go on, Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord, he is good and his mercy endures for all generations. Don't you know that you're a part of generational blessing? There's a lot of focus. I understand that generational curses are, are real, but there is something greater than a curse that's to three and four generations. There's a blessing to a thousand generations. And what if we're actually the people that are actually launching a thousand year blessing in the earth? Now, I know some people are saying that we're not going to be here for another thousand years. They thought that in the old, in the New Testament as well. They said, you know, Jesus said, you're not going to pass away until you see these things happen, right? And so I believe we've been in the last days for 2000 years. Are, are you hearing me? We really are. But, but here's the mercy of God. He knew there would be more people that would need him and come to know him. So we're alive with purpose and on purpose. When you need to celebrate the fact that you're here, that 2020 and 2021 didn't win, right? We're not in the grave somewhere, but we are alive and we're well. We're in the house of God today. And so I believe right now the Lord is taking you from lamentation to celebration. With that said, sometimes when you're in the midst of the lamentation, God gives you the best revelation. Why? Because he draws close to the brokenhearted. Some of you right now, the closeness you felt in the hardship is not going to lift. It's actually going to increase in the blessing and in the breakthrough. He draws close to the brokenhearted. What I love, I love what it says, but I also love what it doesn't say. It doesn't say once you get wholehearted again, he kind of lifts and moves away. Right? He actually draws close and he stays. He's the God who stays. And I just believe that the Lord is calling us beyond visitation this year, beyond habitation this year, actually to the place of inhabitation. David, that is really amazing and deep and profound. Come on, I'm charismatic, right? I can walk on water, but just not on air. So I'm coming to the edge. If you didn't understand what just happened, go back and watch the rewind. It's really, really amazing. Here's what I believe. The Lord doesn't just want 
us to come into a Sunday morning or special meeting habitation where the glory and presence of God is here and created by an amazing worship team and we kind of partner and step into it. But he actually wants us to carry each of us to carry in an expression of him that each other needs. He inhabits the praises of his people. But even more than that, he just inhabits his people. And the Lord is bringing us into a season to be a church that is inhabited by God. Not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, not just in schools, but, but actually every day, every week, every moment of our lives. Uh, it's been my tradition that every New Year's Eve uh, for the last 20, 21 years, I've sat with the Lord and he gives me this deep revelation or, or what I feel is a word for the church and I, I write it out. And, and this year I had people asking me for uh, New Year's videos for their churches or ministries and things. And on the 30th, I went to my wife's shop and, and uh, five at night and, and I found myself just kind of pacing and, and, and hearing from the Lord, but not having that flow. You ever been in that place where like you're aware of his presence, but you're not really hearing? Anybody ever had a hard time hearing God? But while you're having a hard time hearing God, you felt God? How many know that's when God speaks? You know what he's saying in those moments? I'm here. Jesus always has something to say because he's the word. Sometimes his presence speaks louder than the volume of his voice. And there's something that happens in in abiding. And so I found myself, I wasn't really striving, but I was kind of pacing and saying, okay, Lord, what are you going to do? And I'd start the video and, and I'd get about two minutes in and then I'd kind of stumble and fumble and just kind of lose the flow and I'd step out of it and kind of back into it and out of it. Uh, I expected to be home within an hour or two. I text Molly about eight o'clock and saying, Hey, I'm still kind of, kind of working up here. Uh, and, and then, uh, it hit me. I just asked the Lord a simple question. What do you want from me this year? And he just responded back with this simple word. I just want you to be with me. And I believe that's the word of the Lord for the church. It's not about becoming something great. It's actually about being who he already called us to be. The the question worth asking and maybe answering is this. What if you already are who God's already called you to be? What if you and I are already, we're not becoming it, we're actually what God has already called us to be. We just haven't turned that page yet to say, aha, that's where we're at. And this is a season where where the Lord is bringing us into true identity and to true purpose and let everything flow out of that place of, of being. Where he possesses our every breath, our every movement. Where every time we move, he, he, he flows out. Every time we speak, open our mouth, he speaks. Every time we breathe, he breathes. I really believe that this is a season. Here's your prophetic word for the year. It's the year of fully furnished. It's the year of fully furnished. I remember uh, 20 years ago as we were stepping out in full-time ministry and going to step out in faith and trust the Lord for provision and all of those things. I, I remember about a week before uh, I was stepping out of the, my job that I had in the church in Pensacola uh, into this itinerant life. And I remember asking my pastor a question and he kind of chuckled when I asked the question, but, but I never, I've never forgotten his answer. I said, pastor, you know, I'm stepping out in faith and, and what if the Lord didn't provide? I basically asking, Hey, can I have a, a backup plan that if this traveling thing doesn't work out, uh, can I just come back on staff? And I, I just remember saying, Lord, if this, uh, this, uh, or pastor, if this uh, traveling itinerant thing doesn't work out, what do I do? And he chuckled a little bit and he said, son, everything that God calls you to comes fully furnished. I've got a word for you. Everything that God has called you to in 2022 is fully furnished. Every plane ticket, every business plan, every uh, uh, capital loan that you need. How many know you don't need a loan from man? You can just get capital from heaven. How many know heaven's not on a budget, but the enemy is? And I really believe that this is a season and a time of stepping into what is fully furnished. 
this may not be deep to you, but it's been deep to me over the last couple of years. And that is you can't earn what's already been paid for. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn healing. You can't earn a calling. You can't earn a choosing. You can't earn a ministry. You can't earn deliverance. It's already paid for. And some of you are about to step into what's already been fully furnished and fully paid for by the Lord. I love the gifts of the spirit. Anybody else like the gifts of the spirit? Right? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, right? Uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, healings, miracles, right? Gift of faith. We all love those things. But can I tell you something? Although they're within you, they don't just come out because you mature to a place in God one day. There's certain things you have to do sometimes. Sometimes you have to stir up the gift that's already within you. How many know Timothy became a mature son to Paul? He was pastoring one of the greatest, largest churches in history, the church of Ephesus. And Tim, Paul writes to him and said, Timothy, I want you, you need to stir up the gift that came with the laying out of my hands and, and the words of the elders, the prophetic words that came over your life. He's saying it's already in you. You don't have to go somewhere else to get it, but don't let the gift stay dormant in you. Stir it up. I have a word for Grace Center today that the Lord is stirring up the gift that's already within you. He's already stirring up the gift that's already within you. Some of you right now, it's as simple as this. Going back to the last thing that God said. I don't know about you, sometimes I want a new word because I'm tired of getting the old word. But he keeps giving you the old word because you don't believe him yet. Sometimes the Lord just wants you to be faithful with what he's already given you. And when you step out and what he's given you, how many know the rest comes like a cascading waterfall? And some of us are in that place. I heard this word as I said that, that some of you are moving from the fight of affliction to knowing his full affection. Some of you know the fight of affliction over the last couple of years. You may know it even from the last couple of days. But the Lord's going to take you from the fight of affliction into the fullness of his affection. What I love about the gifts of the Spirit is this. Is that they're gifts. I didn't earn them, so I can't really lose them. I didn't earn them. Are you hearing me? They're not given because of my good behavior. They're given by the grace and the love of God. And some of you right now, the thing that you're going to be marked with the most in 2022 is by the grace and the love of God. Deep stuff, huh? I really believe that this is a year of simplicity. We've complicated the gospel and we've created all of these sub gospels and all of these things to kind of get people in the door and, and, and kind of come up with the next thing. But, but here's where I've, I found myself for the last couple of years. Just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Here's why the Gospels are so important. Because you cannot improve on the methods of Jesus. I don't care how gifted you are, what an amazing preacher, orator you are, how prophetic you are, how strong you are in healing or miracles. You will never improve on the methods of Jesus. And the more you know him, the more you you focus on him, the more he'll flow out the more he'll show up. And I believe the Lord is calling the church back to just preaching Jesus. He's been culturally relevant for 2,000 years. He doesn't have to become more hip. He already is hip. That's for you people from the 50s. He doesn't have to become more cool. He already is cool. And that's for us from the 70s and 80s. Right? He doesn't have to become more drip. That's for those of you in 2020 something, right? He is amazing. He transcends time and coolness, right? He is the trendsetter. We think we've come up with all kinds of technology and all kinds of stuff and, 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 and things to get people in the door. And Jesus is saying, I've just been doing the same thing. I see what my father is doing and then I do it. 
I hear what my father is saying and then I say it. And that's how I live my life. And that's how he wants to live his life through you. Here was the beauty of my New Year's Eve morning and night before. Being content just being with him. What if we get to the place where we don't want anything from him? We just want to do something to him. What if we actually become, you know, I love uh, in, in Mark chapter five and, and the woman with the issue of blood. And we, we talk about her faith and the way she presses through the crowd and touches the hem of his garment. And we, we know it's a story of desperation and a need for a miracle and healing. But I've been pondering this over the last few weeks. What if it was actually a journey of worship? What it was actually, of, I've heard of him and I've seen him and he is the only one for me and he's the only one that can not only meet my need, but he is my everything. And so he's worth risking reputation and pressing through the crowd and what people will say. And maybe, yeah, I'll get healed if I touch him. But, but what would happen if I could just get around him? I, I believe there was faith and desperation in her touch. But I think the thing that really caused Jesus to stand still was she felt the posture and the worship in her heart. She was willing to touch him and walk away so that the attention wouldn't be drawn to her. But Jesus said, who touched me? She was already healed. She didn't have to come back for the healing. He said, I want to see the one who made me feel what I never felt before. And what if in 2022, we become the people of God and the church of God? If none of you want it, I'll, I'll choose that for myself. I want to be the one who can touch him in such a way that he says, I'm going to stop everything. I'm going to stop all the other. I'm going to, I'm going to stop in this moment and press pause in time and eternity and space. Because I felt something I never felt before. See, I believe the Lord is setting the church free from blasphemy. Blasphemy is not just using the name of the Lord in vain. I believe it's using the name of the Lord without the nature of the Lord. I believe it's actually declaring his name without knowing him. It's actually declaring his name without actually knowing the nature of his holiness and his healing and his majesty and his glory. See, I like the fact that he's my friend, but I don't want to be so familiar that I forget that he's my king. I want to, to be familiar enough to know that he's my friend and my loving father and my savior and my Lord. But I don't want to get so familiar that I forget that he is holy and that he's God. And the Lord is awakening us to a new place of reverence. See, there's all of these things that we view as options or maybe suggestions or invitations in the scriptures. But the scripture says, be holy as I'm holy. It's not just for a holiness movement. It's for a people set apart. And I, I want the outpouring of the Lord. But what happens first is that you must be set apart to become the vessel of the Lord. So we have something to fill. And I really believe that the Lord is bringing us into a new place. Of, of, of that awareness and that understanding. We're in major seasons of transitions in the earth, major seasons of transition in, in the body of Christ, major transitions with many of us in the room. Uh, last year was a year of transitions, right? I remember 2020 was going to be a year of vision. Then March happened, right? Last year was a, a year of perspective. You, you got to see the hearts of people. You got to see the heart of the church. You got to see the heart of friends. You got to see the heart of a family. You got a whole different perspective of what really was or, or wasn't, right? There was all of this deconstruction, people deconstructing their faith. And why did I ever believe that in the first place? You know why they deconstructed their faith? Because they were disappointed in what they hadn't seen yet. And so they felt if I take away this piece of faith for miracles and healings or why I believe for this, then it removes the disappointment from my faith and I create a comfortable God. And that's why the Lord is releasing the Nehemiah anointing upon the church like we've never known before. Because while people are unbuilding, the Lord has called us to build. 
And the Lord is releasing the anointing of the master builder back upon the church. Are you hearing me? Growth is natural. You sow a seed, it produces fruit. It's natural. But building is intentional. And I believe that we have to stop trying to be an accidental church with whatever happens, happens, and we show up and God shows up and and we try to figure it out afterwards. But if we actually take time and lay the foundation and actually build with things that moth and rain and rust can't corrode, and we actually build according to the pattern of God. We had a, a flood at our house at the end of March last year. And um, it was wild. A lot of guys that are here today came and rescued my wife and kids, our next door neighbors. And, and we saw community surround us like it was wild, right? We had a, a truck bed ended up in our front yard and all kinds of stuff. When I was gone in Washington, D.C. at David's Center. I came back and it looked like, you know, a war zone in a sense. We watched the, just the goodness of God over a couple of days, putting things back and Insurance, okay, we had water in our floorboards or the, the, the subfloor in our floors. And, and so we did a renovation over the summer. And uh, I'm not a builder. I'm more uh, demolition. <laughs> but I'm not even allowed to handle a screwdriver or a sledgehammer. It's just people get hurt, mainly me. Um, so it's best if I don't touch stuff like that. But I want to be a part of the process. And, and Lance and his business partner, Brendan, were, were doing the work and their guys came one day, and the demo that they did in a day was pretty phenomenal. But it, it brings you to this intimidating place where all you see is joists and, and crawl space that's filled with mud that has to be dug out. And I looked at all of it, and all in my natural eyes, all I could do is see a mess. And then the Lord said, I want to show you the miracle in the mess. Yes. See, how many know building is messy? You'll never show up on a clean construction site, Right? right? They, they, they just, all this stuff accumulates and it, it looks like it's a big old mess until about the time it's done. There's a lot of things happening right now in America that look like a mess, but you're about to see the miracle in the mess. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll see the miracle in the mess. You, you'll hear that there's hope crying out from the other side of the, of the mud and the flood and all of those things. And, and so, uh, again, I'm not allowed to touch things like building materials and tools. Um, but I, I wanted to be a contractor. So I, my family made contractor Dave apron that I tried to wear to Home Depot, but they wouldn't get out of the car with me. <laughs> I, I actually went in the contractor's entrance. So that's the most rebellion act of 2021 for me. Just <laughs> we confessed our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and uh, and so uh, I was walking around one day and I had this realization that everything you need to build a house is in Home Depot. <laughs> everything that you need to build a house and a lot of what you need to furnish it is in Home Depot. But you can't live in Home Depot. They set the alarm at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> and if you try to stay afterwards, the popo will come. <laughs> right? And you go spend time in Williamson County or Davidson County Jail, and right? And it's all because you can't live there. Why? Because assembly is required. This church today is like Home Depot. Everything we need to build God a house is here. But it takes us assembling. It takes us coming together. Not just filling seats, but with every joint supplying, with everyone doing their part, with everybody carrying this idea that I'm not coming for revival, I'm not coming to revival, I'm not coming for church, I'm actually coming carrying my offering, carrying with my gifts, carrying my revelation, carrying healing, carrying what God has placed on the inside of me so that it can flow and connect to the person around me. And until then, we're just a disjointed church. This is not a corrective word to you. Are you hearing me? It's a calling word where the Lord is saying, hey, you're not an ordinary church. You're actually an apostolic and prophetic epicenter. We are not an ordinary church. So you're not going to draw ordinary folks. How many know we're not a safe place unless you want to live dangerously? 
Because it will come to the edge of your mind. We'll push the envelope of faith. We'll, we'll actually push the envelope of your theology, not because our theology is off, but because we actually believe the whole Bible. And I'm just asking you this prophetic question. Will we actually be the church that actually believes the whole Bible? That actually believes that God is bigger than a pandemic? That, that God is bigger than racial injustice? That God is bigger than, than denominationalism and sexism and all of those isms that separate? Do we actually believe that he, the Holy Spirit, is one who can actually draw us together, bind us together, and, and raise up something amazing and beautiful in the midst of chaos? Here's what I believe. The way we deal with chaos in the earth right now is to bring kingdom to church. In Matthew six thirty three. Jesus said that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. In Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Get this. He told us to seek and he said he would build. But I think we're trying to build instead of seek. And the Lord is actually right-siding the ship. He's actually bringing things into the place of divine order. That this is a time and a season where the Lord is saying, seek the Lord while he may be found. How many know he's easy to find? He's actually easy to find. And I believe right now in this season... The Lord is awakening some things in our heart. He's awakening some things to build. Isaiah 66 verse 1. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool, but who will build me a house? He's saying, I am, I am secure in myself. I'm sovereign. I, I, I have no need. I can do anything I want to do just by speaking and pointing and writing things in the air. But he gives us an invitation. But who will build me a house? He's not talking about bricks and mortar and blocks and, and, and wood and, and a roof. He's saying, who will become a holy habitation of the Lord? Who will be set apart carrying the, the, the power of the gospel and the beauty of my presence, not just in a church setting, but in a city, set, in a city setting? See, it's one thing to pastor churches. It's another thing to pastor cities. Some people might get that next week. <laughs> Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures for all generations. I believe it's, there's a theme that's going to come through this year. And it's going to be this. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures for all generations. I've got news for you. The mercy of the Lord hasn't run out. It's a prophetic friend of mine who says it like this. When the Lord looks at you, he's got mercy on his mind. Can you believe that when the Lord still looks at America, he's still got mercy on his mind? When the Lord looks at us and all of our imperfections, that the Lord looks at us and he still has mercy on his mind. Psalm 65, 11, you might want to grab a hold of this as your verse for the year. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. How many want your year crowned with his goodness and your step, every step you take to just be overtaken by the abundance of the Lord? Your path is going to drip with abundance. See, either we're singing songs we don't believe or what we were singing this day, today is actually our reality. His goodness is either running after us or we are so deceived. Can I tell you something? I believe the goodness of God is running after us. Listen, we're, we're in a transitional season. I said it a little while ago. And I've watched this amazing kind of transition take place. Last uh, November, I had the privilege of taking care of my mom for her last couple of weeks on earth. And um, what I saw for two weeks was a picture of the kingdom. As my mom was getting ready to go meet Jesus, there was never any fear about the process. 
I've been around some of the greatest of the great men and women of God. And there's always this, I wonder if I did enough. I wonder what this is going to be like. What's the transition like? And my mom would just say, David, can you believe I'm about to see Jesus face to face? Can you imagine what I'm about to see? And and this would be a minimization. But the last two weeks of my mom's life, I heard her say thank you at least 500 times. She knew that thankfulness, thanksgiving opened up gates. She didn't complain to people. She would just converse with God in the night. She was, to me, a friend of God. She knew the Lord her whole life. Her experience or her theology was more Calvinist until she was about 80 and then tried to realize what do you do with a prophetic son? And I never knew my mom was really prophetic except when I was a kid and would try to take cookies before dinner. And she always had this way of saying, David, don't touch that. I actually looked for eyes in the back of her head. And uh, kids, your moms have those, so just be careful. Um, and, but, but she lived what some would call an ordinary life, but she did it extraordinarily. There probably won't be a movie about her or some great books written about her. But I think she's written in the heroes of faith. She would have these visitations of God in the night where the Lord would speak to her about the power of his blood. And how just one drop covers and heals and sets free. She would talk about the battle of of spiritual warfare that was real for this generation. And how we win it and how we overcome One night she pulled me close and she said, David, they say, forgive and forget, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. And you can forgive, but you can never forget. But I've learned how to do both. She said, I've just purposed in my heart that I would love people more than they could ever hurt me. She'd endured abuse. She endured different things in her life. She wasn't saying that I don't have memory of it. She was saying, I choose to let the pain of the memory go so that I could bring healing instead of more pain. When I was six years old, she led my dying father to the Lord on his deathbed, one who most likely abused her. And the only way you do that is you, if you live from an eternal perspective, the only way you do that is if somehow you've seen something greater than you, greater than your circumstance, and greater than this world. And I'm not saying this for sorrow or empathy or sympathy. I'm saying that I watched the kingdom of God, an operation that that lived loud and clear through an 84-year-old woman. Which tells me that uh, something's obtainable in my lifetime. And I'm just saying that this is a season where the Lord is releasing an Abraham type of faith upon the church. You know what stirs me about Abraham? The Bible says that he died believing that he would see. He didn't die in unbelief because he didn't see what he wanted to see. He didn't die in speculation or I wonder. He he actually he actually said, "I've not seen it, but I've seen it." There's another guy in the Bible. I really like him. He only gets two verses, but he's real cool. His name is Simeon, and he hangs out with a prophetess named Anna. And he's of old age and he goes, to the, he goes to the temple every day looking for the Messiah to come. All he has is a word. 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 And sometimes all you have is a word, but if you have the word of the Lord, it's always enough. And he shows up every day in the temple. And finally, Mary and Joseph walk in when Jesus is eight days old. And they hand him to Simeon and he says, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. And now your servant can depart in peace. One died believing that he would see. And another one saw what he was believing for. And if we could ever grab a hold of the idea of generational blessing and generational faith.
Psalm 133 and 1. How good and pleasant it is when, bro- when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of the robes. It is as if the dew of, of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. The Lord wants to release the gift of faith to Grace Center in 2022. Here's what I love about the gift of faith. It's one of the, 12, one of the nine charismatic gifts of the Spirit. And it's not just faith in the Son of God. It's the faith of the Son of God. It's not just the faith that I will see it someday. It is the faith that I'm seeing it because I'm seeing it through Jesus' eyes. And I believe because of that, the Lord wants to, to release upon us a supernatural gift of faith that brings unity in the house of God. Four people really excited. But where do you see the oil coming? Where do you see the oil coming over the head? Here's what I believe today. The Lord is actually causing an apostolic well to spring forth in this house like never before. And the apostolic nature of God, the fathering, parenting nature of God is about to spring forth in this house. Here's what the term apostolic means. It means to go beyond, to do what has never been done before with signs and wonders following. But even greater, it means this, the sent ones. And the Lord wants to create an Antioch model of ministry to train, equip, and launch. And I believe the Lord is not just uncovering or redigging old wells. He's actually digging new wells for us that we get to partner with. Jeremiah 1, 9, and 10. It's the anointing of the sent one. For I've anointed you to uproot and to plant, to tear down and to build. Some of you right now, you just got the revelation of why you're such a fighter. Because everything inside of you wants to tear down and wants to uproot. Not people, not places, but every place of darkness. Why? So that you can plant and you can build. And I believe that in the last couple of years, even without knowing it, we've been walking through a season of uprooting and tearing down because we're now stepping into a season of planting and building. It explains a lot of the warfare around our lives. And the Lord is about to bring us into a new place of healing. I believe the Lord is healing dysfunction in the church and in the earth. How many want to be anointed to uproot and to take care of demons of dysfunction? Right? I believe there's five major areas of dysfunction in the church and in the earth. Number one, we've been unfathered. You can make it unparented if you like. We've been uncorrected. We've been unfruitful. We've been unhealed and we've been untaught. And the answer is actually fivefold ministry. That people thought was just a trend that came back to the church in the 90s. But it's actually the thing that knocks out the enemy. Right? The apostolic fathers that actually know how how to take uh, the building material, the people that God's given to him or to them, and to build it up so that it can flourish and grow and plant and thrive wherever it goes. In that is a good word for you. This is your year to flourish. You know what I love about apostolic people? I'll explain it to you in a story. I was a prophetic guy. I was just a janitor of a church and a cook of the Christian school. I'd get prophetic words. I had some stuff flowing, but I just thought I had a gift. And for the most part, that's really what, probably what it was. But on a Sunday night, it was August 19th, 1999. So back to school Sunday night, and I got a word for like somewhere around 100 or 150 people in a row. And the pastor and his son looked at each other and said, oh my goodness, David's not a pastor, he's a prophet. And they knew what to do with me. For the first time in my life, 
a church knew what to do with me. That's apostolic. It's seeing the God, the gifts that God is bringing, the calling that God is bringing, not being intimidated by it, not trying to control it, not trying to, to, to just, uh, you know, just glean from it, but actually saying, aha, I see the gift. God gave me eyes to see what he put on the inside of you. And I know exactly what to do with you and where you fit. And I'm telling you right now that Jeff Dollar is about to walk in that apostolic anointing like never before, that when he sees you, he recognizes the gift and the senior leadership recognizes the gift and says, we know exactly what to do with you. And it's beyond anything that we're doing right now. And God is breaking off the dysfunction of being unfathered. Some of you, the greatest cry of your heart, your whole life has been, Father, Father me. It's why there's been such an absence and an attack on fathers in the church. That's why there's been such an absence and an attack on fathers in the earth. But this is going to be a year of a Malachi miracle where the Lord, according to Malachi 4 and 6, that afterwards I'll send one with the spirit of Elijah and he'll turn the hearts of fathers to children and children back to the fathers. Lyle Phillips said something the other day and when he said it, I, I cringe like a good friend would. His declaration first was, 2022 is not going to be my year. And I want to go, bro, it's just going to be your year. And then he said the amazing thing. He said, it's not going to be my year because it's the year of the Lord. And I thought to myself, dang it. Why did he get it first? Two thousand and twenty-two. It's going to be the year of the Father, where the Father is going to reveal His heart, lavish His heart upon us, and raise up that Father heart within us. Anybody good with that? Yes. I can stop now if you want. <laughs> Secondly, we've, we've been uncorrected because we treated prophets as fortune tellers. And we like them as long as they're telling us our future and our fortune. And they're making us feel good. I believe prophecy should be kind, but it should also show us our blind spots, not to go, hey, you're blind here, but to actually say, here's how the Lord wants you to see it and how you should operate to get beyond it. My whole life, to me, correction was rejection. If you corrected me, I felt like you rejected me. It was that residue of that fatherlessness. It was that residue of, of rebellion on the inside of me. And if you rejected me, or if you corrected me, you rejected me. And we've got to get beyond that in the church. We, we've got to get beyond it so that when somebody preaches this glorious gospel, this beautiful book that, again, is culturally relevant, that, that transcends time and generations and cultures and ideas and ideals, that we don't go, well, I don't like what he's preaching. No, this word will correct you. It will bring you into an alignment. And maybe you're not frustrated with the preacher. You're frustrated with the message on the inside of you that hadn't been discovered yet. And here's what prophets do. We, we connect to apostolic people to lay foundation so that you can grow bigger than us. We've got to get rid of the idea that ministry is this. That it's me or somebody else with a microphone on a stage with a YouTube presence and social media followers and all of that. I've got a word for you. You're all called to ministry and you're all chosen by God to do it. All are called, but few answer the call. I have a friend and all he wants to do is be in ministry. And he doesn't realize he's in ministry. And it breaks my stinking heart. Because I can't be around him without him leading somebody to the Lord, praying for somebody for healing, giving a prophetic word. And he just sees himself as, I'm just a laborer. I just drive my truck here and there and I load and I unload stuff. And he's never come to the realization 
that what I'm doing is actually ministry to the Lord and to the people around me. I'm telling you that if if you'll take a hold of the truth of that word of calling and being chosen, even if it's not working in the church Monday through Friday or Sunday through Thursday or whatever it is, that if you're in ministry, you're able to reach people I'll never be able to reach. I almost quit prophecy once a day. (laughs) A few years ago, I was flying to Australia and I was frustrated. I was at 35,000 feet, so you hear God a little clearer up there. Somewhere over the Pacific, the entertainment system went out. It was just me and the Lord, a couple flight attendants, and about 300 other people. The Lord said, you want to know why you're so frustrated? And I thought, yeah, Lord, I kind of like to know why I'm so frustrated. He said, you're frustrated because 98% of the prophetic words you give won't come to pass. Not because I didn't speak it, not because I didn't say it, not because you're out of timing, not because you misinterpreted it, because the people in the church won't do anything with it. So before I landed, I came up with a new model of ministry. I would just hone in on the 2%. And that lasted never. (laughs) Because it's not my word. And I'll never forget it. I was going to preach my 45-minute message, call out five people, walk off the stage. It was a leadership meeting, so it was the best way to start this new tradition out. <laughs> Pastor said, we start at 7, we end at 8.30 sharp. And so at 8.30, I was ready to hand it over, but God was moving. And the pastor was smart enough to recognize that God was moving. So he said, keep going. I said, but you said 8.30. <laughs> so I kept ministering at 10. I went to hand it over. He said, God's still moving, keep ministering. At two in the morning, I looked at the guy on keyboard and he was weeping and smiling and laughing at the same time. He played for as long as I prophesied. I didn't know why he was so happy. I was jet lagged and my feet hurt. (laughs) And afterwards I talked to him. I said, man, why were you laughing like that? Why were you smiling like that? Why were you crying like that? He said, because I looked at you at 830 and the Lord said, he can do whatever he wants to do. He can preach 45 minutes and call out five people. But I think he's going to do what I called him to do. And that's just to be God's people, the God's, God's prophet to God's people. And if he'll just be that, I'll use him to heal the prophetic in the earth. And so I don't just bring a little correction. I take it as well. It's one of the kindest things the Lord ever said to me. He let me know what my frustration was. And he let me realize that it's not my word anyway. Don't worry, I'm aware of what time it is and you'll be out by two. Makes sense to you. I've realized this with the prophetic. That God's not looking for people to declare things from rooftops and on social media and through microphones. He's actually looking for friends to share his secrets with. If you'll actually develop that friendship with God, every one of you would discover that you are prophetic in nature. Thirdly, we've been unfruitful. That's because we turn the evangelist into the church entertainer. We bring in an evangelist and he preaches three, four days of his best messages and people get healed and saved and altars are full. But he goes home, but he doesn't equip us. And his main assignment is not to do all the work, but it's actually to equip us to do the work of ministry. Like all of it is. Are you hearing me? 
And we've got to stop viewing charismatic Pentecostal ministry as celebrity entertainment. You honor the gifts. You love the people that God has put in your life to impact you and to speak truth to you and to teach your word. All of those things. Honor is right. But we cannot afford to create Christian idols. No preacher should be more, more exalted. No preacher should be more popular than Jesus Christ himself. If you're drawn to a ministry or a prophecy more than you are to Jesus, you're probably in the false. Here's where we are. Habakkuk 1 verse 5. Look among the nations and be utterly astounded that even if I were to tell you a thing, you wouldn't even be able to comprehend it. I'm telling you that there's about to be a wave of salvation. A wave of the glory of God with healings, miracles, signs, and wonders following. Because it's not just falling on a few, but the body's actually grabbing a hold of the calling. Are you ready for that? It's a season to be fruitful. Years ago, I was called into a hospital outside of St. Louis somewhere. Went with a pastor to pray for a lady that was supposedly near death. This lady had caused quite a bit of problems in the, the church. Her family was founding members and she had a little bit of a controlling thing and a mean thing on her. And we came in and, and they were saying, you know, maybe another day or two. And I asked the pastor, is she saved? And he said, yeah. And she kind of looked like she was baptized in lemon juice, even when she was just laying there. You ever, ever see Christians like that? Just sourpuss Christianity, just all puckered up. And I thought it was going to be an easy prayer, like, Lord, just bring peace and bring her home. But the Lord said, I'm not through with her. And we, had, we prayed, and all of a sudden, she opened her eyes, came out of a coma, and she began to weep. And she said, oh, thank you, pastors, for coming to pray for us. I was about to meet Jesus, and I had nothing to give to him. I'm not saying she wasn't saved. I'm just saying that in 80 years of Christianity, she had nothing to bring. And I believe the Lord is calling us to have fruit for the king, to give to him the reward of his suffering, to, to not die empty-handed, to not live this life empty-handed, not using what he's given us to bring and draw people to him. And the Lord's healing that by raising up the evangelist. Fourthly, I think the major dysfunction is this, we stay unhealed. True pastors really want their people healed. I'm aware that I'm a prophet. I'm also fairly, uh, fairly pastoral. But I realize the safest place for me as an itinerant is this, to surround myself with pastors. Because somebody has to pastor the prophecy. But also somebody has to pastor the prophet because if you don't pastor me, I get weird. I wanted to say they, but I just said I. When I started ministry, one of the greatest things my pastor ever did was made us read a book called They Smell Like Sheep. Because real pastors smell like the people they're leading. They know the people. They're with the people. They, they, they connect with the people. And they want their people healed. That's why I connect with Alan. I connect with Jeff on a, on a regular basis. Alan, since the death of my, my mom, has been texting me, how's your heart, how are you processing things? He's not overstepping, he's just being pastoral to me. Some of you are like, wow, I didn't know Alan was pastoral, but, but he really is, kind of. <laughs> I'll give you his number, just start texting him, he loves that. No, I, I, I'm just... His number is 1-800-CALL-DAVE. And no. But it's safe for me, it's healing to me. And I wouldn't want to function without it. And true pastors want their people healed. And I'm telling you right now, we're about to watch a healing wave come across America, come across our city, because we're going to learn, like I said earlier, to pastor the city, not just pastor in the church. A friend in Australia that during the pandemic, 
they weren't ready for it, and they had to kind of scramble to get technology ready to go online, uh, like the re- like most of us did. And and then he, he put people in charge of reaching out to all the members, a church of five thousand people. And the feedback they were getting a couple weeks in was, we didn't even knew we didn't even know that you knew we existed. And he said it hit the pastor so hard because he said we had a program for everything. And we were programming people, but we weren't pastoring people. We had a youth program. We had an elderly program. We had a kids program. We had a worship program. All of these things, but people weren't being pastored. I tell you, since they made up their mind to pastor people, the church just begins to explode. Why? Because people want to be healed. How many know people don't want to live in hospitals? You might want to visit a house, but you, you, you want, uh, you might want to visit a hospital, but you, you, you really want to live in a house, right? And so that's what pastors do. They cultivate this gift where they bring us into God's living room. Fifthly, we've been untaught. We have grid teaching here at Grace Center, but in the body at large, there's an absence of true teachers. Because true teachers don't just tell you what they got. They actually teach you how to hear God for yourself so that you can actually be taught by the Holy Spirit. And here's why I'm saying this. Five, the number of grace. And the Lord is about to cause, you're about to watch in 2022, if we're obedient to it, not just saying senior leadership and elders and and boards, saying the people of God, if we're actually obedient to the word of the Lord today, We will be a full functioning church, healing the dysfunction of the world around us. Are you ready for that? Come on. Every one of you has an expression or multiple expressions of what I just preached. There's some of you that you may not call yourself an apostle, but you're apostolic because everything you do is strategic and you're looking at how to build and how to grow things. Every one of us is a prophetic because we've been created in the image of God. And every one of us has been, was born to hear the voice of God. There's some of you who I don't believe I'm prophetic at all. I had a unique conversation with a guy one time. He was a cessationist and he didn't like what I did. And he was a pastor. And I said, well, pastor, how do you know you're called to preach? He said, well, God spoke to my heart. I didn't have to argue with him. He just proved my point. Right? Every one of us should be doing the work of the evangelist. That's what Paul told Timothy. Do the work of the evangelist. It's all of our jobs. All of us should be releasing the, the gentleness of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. And everybody should be demonstrating what Jesus did in front of the world around us. And people will say, how'd that happen? You get to teach them about it. Isn't that good? Amen. All right, here's where we are. I'm about to wrap this thing up, ran, land the plane. Haggai 2, verse 6, Hebrews 12, 26. Once more, it is a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth so that everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that the unshakable kingdom can remain. Here's what I'm saying. The Lord is taking us out of the place, but you have to choose it. To come out of the place of shaken into a place of stirring. Shake off the old stuff so that you could stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. Why? Because I believe we're stepping into a season where the Lord is anointing us to cover the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like never before. I believe that this is a season where we stop trying to make headlines and we actually make history. I believe that this is a time where the Lord is about to release the glory of God upon us and that we're about to see his goodness like never before. Here's where I'll close and I have a lot more that I'd like to say, but I won't. This is a Psalm 24 season for Grace Center and the body of Christ at large. Begins with, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. Then who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with pure hearts, and clean hands who won't who will not lift their soul to another this is the generation that seeks his face o god of jacob one translation actually says that this is the generation that god is seeking so when i actually choose to be one with pure heart and clean hands i can ascend the hill of the lord some of you right now i'm going to give you these four words then I'm, I'll, I'll call it quits. Maybe. I mean, we've got to get our kids. Otherwise, we're going to give them espresso and a cat. 
four words to take into the new year. Are you ready? The Lord is calling us to be a people of purity, a people of prayer, people of praise, and a people of power. And I believe those four characteristics are going to mark 2022 at Grace Center and beyond. Are you ready for that? So, Father, we thank you right now for who you are, what you've done, and what you're doing. And, Lord, today, Lord, we leave the past in the past, and we launch into this new year filled with faith, hope, and love, knowing that you are the Lord who's good, your mercy endures forever, that everything that you have said, Lord, you'll do. Lord, I thank you that all of your promises, as we sang earlier, are yes and amen. And so, Lord, I thank you for the resounding yes and amen of heaven in the room. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that I'm calling you above and beyond to step into the unknown and to step beyond where you ever felt comfortable going before in my presence. It will be new, it will feel awkward, and it will not feel familiar at all. But my desire is that I sweep you off of your feet and you simply get caught up with me. For this is a season where I'm coming to consume you, but I'm also coming to consecrate you. And this is a season of crossing over. And as I said to my servant Joshua in days of old, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow you will cross over. And this is a season of crossing over from what was and even what wasn't into what is and what is to come. For I am the Lord and there is no other. And this is going to be a year of the I am. For I am with you even to the end of the age. I'm with you in the darkness as much as I'm with you in the light. I'm with you in your business as much as I'm with you in the church. And this is going to be a season where I mark you with I am. And what I felt like the Lord was saying is that he is releasing the backing of heaven over us. That there is about to be the backing of heaven with our every move, with our every dream. And if we will consecrate ourselves and sanctify ourselves in this season, that the Lord is inviting us into the place that is, that, that is the depths of his heart. And there is an invitation to search even the unsearchable wisdom and riches of God. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, Lord, you speak to us and you love us and you have great plans for us in 2022 and beyond. Lord, would this be the year, Lord, that you would be high and lifted up so you can draw all men to yourself? Or would this be the year that we see Franklin, Tennessee save, Williamson County bow its knee? Lord, would this be the year that we would see the nation and the nations of the earth bow their knee, not just in submission, but in surrender and worship? Lord, I thank you that, Lord, there's about to be a sound of adoration across the nations in the year ahead. Lord, I thank you right now that, Lord, you're about to open the floodgates of heaven, Lord, in the year ahead, that, Lord, we're about to move fearless, that we're about to be a fearless generation that is moved by your power and your perfect love. And, Lord, I ask right now that, Lord, you would do what your word says and that you would crown this year with goodness and that, Lord, our past, Lord, would overflow, drip with abundance. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. So a few words of knowledge today. I felt this in the first service, like somebody that has like uh, cluster headaches or constant or other common headaches, like in the back of your head, especially on the right side. And, and I just feel like you've done just about everything you can do. And when they come on, it just wipes your day. And I feel like there's healing. Is anybody in the room with that today? All right. All right. So Lord, right now, we thank you that healing belongs to us. And so, Lord, we release your healing word because you sent your word and healed us. Lord, even as we uh, partook today of communion, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you, your body was broken for our healing, that your blood was shed, uh, Lord, for our, our peace and, and our salvation. So, Lord, I thank you right now for healing right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I also felt like the Lord said this is going to be the most fruitful year uh, of, of Grace Center. And I felt like the Lord was saying he was healing us of any place of barrenness. Some of us, it feels like spiritual barrenness. Some of us, it feels like uh, even natural barrenness. And the Lord is healing the body of barrenness today. And if that's you, I would just receive that right where you're at. But I also felt this. I shared it in the first service. Here's where I'll, I'll try to, to wrap up for the sake of time. Is I feel like there's some people in the room today and you, you've been asking the question, why? 
Like, why am I here? Why did I, uh, I move this way? And you feel like you're actually stuck. And the Lord wants to, 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 to bring healing to that, but he also wants to bring clarity to it. And if you just feel stuck spiritually or you feel stuck, like uh, I just feel just personally stuck, the Lord wants to, to, to set you free today and bring clarity to that. If I'm talking to you, I just want you to stand to your feet. And I just believe the Lord is, is about to do something amazing just real quick in this place. There's many of us in this room. We came here because God called us here. And there's a feeling in that transition that you're transplanted. For us, our roots were somewhere else for 20 some years. And so we came here and you feel like you're transplanted. And when you're transplanted, it's like your, your roots are put in now into a bucket or into this burlap thing, and you've got to grow your roots again. And I feel like some of you, the Lord is taking you from feeling transplanted to being planted by, by rivers of living water. And I just feel like the Lord right now is bringing you from that place of feeling transplanted into place of one of your greatest places of fruitfulness. There's also wisdom and strategy coming that this is not just going to be a year of resolution, but it's going to be a year of solution. And I feel like the solutions of the Lord are about to sweep through the body in this season. Some of you feel like that you've actually plateaued or leveled out in the business thing that you're in and you don't know what to do. Should I sell? Should I get out of it? And I felt like the Lord said, I'm about to breathe divine ideas and new ideas into it. And you're going to begin to prosper like never before. And I feel like there's some of you, even right now, said this in the first service as well, that there are, are families that are segregated, like families that, that even though you're kind of maybe even in the same house, but uh, even in the same city and you just feel like uh, almost like you have different connections because certain people don't get along with other people. And there's about to be a great healing of the segregated family. But I also feel like this, that the Lord is about to celebrate and anoint blended families in the room. How many know there's no step uh, in God. There's no stepchildren in God. There's no stepfamily in God. And the Lord is about to really bring people out of that mindset. And he's about to move on people uh, that, that are in blended families. And you're trying to figure out where do you fit, but you're about to watch miracles happen in blended families in the days that are ahead. I also feel like that the Lord is about to do uh, uh, miracles in somebody's kidney. I felt like the right kidney wasn't functioning properly. And uh, there's been some concern about it. And I saw the Lord just releasing his healing hand in that kidney today in Jesus name. Uh, I feel like there's uh, uh, somebody in the room. I feel like there's a a couple of people actually that you've written resignation letters uh, over and over. One person, uh, I feel like it has to do with ministry and it's kind of like you just want to, you just want to turn that thing in. But I saw the Lord putting it in the shredder and he's about to remove the frustration from ministry. There's going to come great clarity to what he's called you to. And uh, this is a very personal thing, but I felt like some people in the room have had a fear of commitment because you've seen uh, contracts, like like you've seen relational uh, relationships handed like contracts. And so there's almost like this fear to fully commit. And I feel like this is going to be a year of, of commitment in the house of God like never before. And uh, so, Lord, I just thank you right now that, Lord, you're healing all of that today. In the name of Jesus, Lord, people that, um, Lord, who felt like all I want to do is be in ministry and they don't know how to get there. Lord, I thank you that you're simply saying to them today, welcome to the ministry. Welcome to the ministry. And uh, Lord, I thank you right now for just the abundance of your heart being poured out in 2022. Lord, let healing and your glory fill the streets. Lord, as I said earlier, Lord, let the knowledge of the glory of the Lord cover the earth. Let it cover Franklin. Let it cover Williamson County and Nashville and Davidson County down into Columbia and beyond. Lord, let the knowledge of your glory cover the earth, cover our region. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy New Year. God bless you. Thanks for listening.